Hi, and welcome to the Overflow Podcast. I'm Chuck Ammons, lead pastor of Overflow Church in Brandon, Florida, and we are here to help you receive the Father's love and to release it to everyone you encounter everywhere. Wherever you're listening from today, your God adores you. I pray this message elevates and ignites your faith. On this podcast, you will find biblical messages to activate your faith so you experience the goodness of God and the greatness of your unique voice in His kingdom. To find out more about Overflow Church, visit us at overflowchurch.com or on Facebook at Overflow Church Brandon. We'd also love to encourage you to check out our book, Life in the Overflow, and its accompanying devotional on amazon.com. Wow, five years, Overflow Church. Five years. I love to tell our story together, but if I'm going to tell our story faithfully this morning, I've got to go back a lot further than five years. I've got to go many years before that, and there are many lessons that we find along the way. In fact, if you want the start of the Overflow story, it actually started in 1981, 43 years ago. When some crazy sons and daughters at First Baptist of Dover, communities away, felt a calling from the Lord to buy 10 acres on Bell Shoals Road in Brandon because they believed that God had a future in this place. And so in faith, though there was no fruit on the vine, though there was no building, though this was just a fish farm in the middle of Brandon that had not been developed, they did it. For the next seven years, it seemed like nothing happened, but God was moving. You fast forward to 1988, and this land became the home of a church plant known as South Brandon Baptist Church. They celebrated their first services right out front on our lawn. And it leads me to lesson number one about our story. It's this. Don't despise small beginnings. Good seeds faithfully planted will one day bear great fruit. See, we owe our very life here, friends, to the courage, the generosity, the prayer, and the faith of a number of people and faces we aren't even going to know this side of heaven. And when they stepped out, they had no idea what God had ahead, but they believed that their father spoke and they obeyed. And I think that matters for us to remember today in the little dreams and the big dreams that you have is that the small beginnings, if you would just plant a good seed faithfully, it will bear fruit. And so South Brandon Baptist Church was planted in this place. They had their first uh, several lead pastors that came. I had the joy of meeting one of them, a man of peace named Al Browder. And then in 1997, a young buck named Lynn Harper came with a heart for the city of Tampa. In 1999 and again in 2001, he added to his staff with two crazy people that would keep him praying. (laughs) Pastor Chris and Pastor Chuck with worship ministry and youth and discipleship. In 2008, a longtime member of South Brandon, Cindy Ackerman, stepped up as the prayer pastor. You're looking good, Ken and Cindy. You just look younger every day. And, And Ken, you're sweet too. Um, In 2017, it was a huge year in our story, as God brought Aaron and Mickey Aruda and Ruth Spiegel to our church, together as missions and arts pastors. And then in 2019, our story of starting at the very birth of Overflow became complete when Josh and Brenda Baylog, my longtime friends, 
came as next gen and pastors over our missional community leaders. And, and this part in our story leads me to lesson number two. It's this, we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. As we pour into people, our legacy will look like family. As we pour into people, our legacy will look like family. I want to tell you standing here that it is impossible to state the number of lives changed by the faithfulness of my spiritual father, Lynn Harper. But our entire leadership has been deeply formed, shaped, discipled, and mentored by the faithful, passionate presence of this man over time. And each has in turn gone to deeply form and shape and disciple others who have gone to form and shape and disciple others. The places that we choose to plant our roots, the places that we choose to stay and tend the ground and not give up will reap a harvest. That's a law of the kingdom of God. Some parent, you need to know that for all your prayers for your child. Somebody working a job that feels like a dead-end job, but you're getting up and you're doing the most faithful thing. You need to know there's a law of the harvest. You will reap a harvest if you don't give up. And in the kingdom of God, if you invest in people, the legacy will look like family. And so South Brandon Worship Center grew, grew quite a lot in our city. And it became well-respected and thriving. It was a house of restoration and worship and creativity. But that leads me to lesson number three. Sometimes God calls us to lay down great things in our hands in this present season so we can experience greater places he longs to move our hearts in the coming season. This is where faith is born. Sometimes God is going to take something. You say, it ain't broke, don't fix it. That's not the law of the kingdom. God will show up sometimes and say, you're being faithful, you're pouring in, but if you've been faithful with what I've given, I always want to give you more, and I am up to more than you could ask or imagine. So sometimes... Our God is going to call us in the midst of something that is beautiful and great and wonderful and pleasing to his heart. He's going to call a hard left turn and say, I'm doing a new thing. Would you perceive it? And so for us, some years ago, new rumblings came in the ground in this place. In 2015, I found myself at what I could only call a spiritual awakening in a hotel room in Naples, Florida. In about 30 minutes, all at once, God overwhelmed me with confident joy of seeing that now and forever I'm adored by him, of understanding all the finished gospel did. One guy went into room 120 in the days in in Naples, Florida, but that guy never came back out again. And I spent the next months in re-education at the feet of Jesus. With the blessing of my spiritual father, I began to write down everything I felt the Lord was teaching me, and it resulted in a book that became an anthem for South Brandon Worship Center called Life in the Overflow. They were the first steps that God gave us to live a full and simple gospel. That In the Old Testament, they had 613 laws, and Jesus shows up and says, no, the whole kingdom, it's this. Love me with all of your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, and love your neighbors yourself. And if you do this, you fulfill the entire kingdom. And this is the revelation that God gave us. It's very simple. The kingdom of God is not easy, but it's simple. It's this. God, your God right now, absolutely knows you and absolutely adores you. And when you choose to return the gaze in love toward the Lord, you not only love him with all of your heart, but you begin to love yourself the way that he loves you. 
And when you're in a place where you receive the grace and the mercy and the joy of God, he always gives everything beyond our capacity. The only thing left to do is overflow. If I can love myself, then loving other people becomes relatively easy by comparison. And God started speaking to us about this life of the simple gospel and running. The next year, me and Pastor Cindy and Pastor Chris spent some time before the Lord in prayer, and God gave us a 50-day discipleship resource called the Life in the Overflow Devotional. It was all about training the saints how to hear God's voice and to surrender to their core identity as a new creation so they could experience a life of intimacy. Right around this time, we began to burn with what we could only call presence-based worship. We wanted to spend as long as we could just sitting before the Lord. So in addition to our Sunday services, we had this evening service that, aptly enough, we just happened to call the overflow. It was this prophetic worship, and we would come and give words. It's a lot like our prayer burn that we have here. Just about that time, Pastor Aaron came to our staff at South Brandon and said, I believe the Holy Spirit is saying it's time to be who you are. We're in Valrico, not Brandon, and South Brandon is not a vision, but I'll tell you who I always hear you guys say that we are, and it's that we're overflow. So for the next eight months, our pastors and our elders spent a time in diligent prayer. Finally, we arrive at the end of 2018, and we make a decision that's crazy, that I just got to tell you, man, I'm so proud of the big step in that happened in this place because it makes no sense apart from the Holy Spirit. We made a decision to close the doors of a healthy and thriving and respected church at the prime of the most tenured pastor in our city who was only getting more passionate for Jesus every day simply because God said so. Who does that? The last Sunday of 2018, we held a celebration for South Brandon Worship Center, and we closed the doors. We said this isn't a flip, it isn't a rebrand. God's doing a rebirth of a church at the start of 2019. God began us to lead, to lead us on what I could only call an adventure with him. Now, if you're going to go on an adventure with God, you're going to need several supplies for the journey. And so where God started us with, I would say in 2019, if you want to know what we had, God gave us a backpack first. You look at a backpack, and all you see with a backpack is this is, an, this is an empty vessel with ample space that's going to be able to hold everything that you're going to need for the journey ahead. Can I tell you in 2019, this is all we had. We showed up and said, we will make space for whatever you want to say, for whatever you want to do, for you to come and fill us. And for you to come and pour through our gifts in the way that you want to, we're coming with a blank canvas asking you to move. And so, these are the only things we knew. Number one, we desired to be a church that burned with passion to bring the world along with us to experience intimacy with God, even though we hadn't arrived anywhere other than with Mary at the feet of Jesus. Number two, we believed it was time to break the patterns of traditional church roles. And that we needed to learn together how to truly become the fivefold diversity that the Bible talks about so that we could flourish, so that the eye wouldn't say to the hand, I don't need you. Number three, we had a commitment that we would keep moving together and not give up on each other, that we would forgive each other, that we would grow, that we would show grace, that we would mind our conflict resolution, and that we would move at the pace of revelation. Boldly, we said that we would switch seats as often as the Holy Spirit spoke. And it began with me and then our lead pastor, Len. 
Lynn came and said, it is time now for me not to walk as the lead pastor. God had given Lynn a heart for the city, but also he walks as my pastor, as my spiritual father. He said, it's time for me to step into a role of senior pastor, and it's time for you to run as lead pastor. And for the better part of five years, we've been holding on by the seat of our pants to the Holy Spirit, just trying to figure out what that means and what it looks like. But we held true to our commitment, and God held true to his. The last thing we said with this ample space is that we would not be a part of a spectator family, but that we would equip people to active delight with God. So let me tell you the first thing that went in this backpack in 2019. And, and by the way, anybody been here since 2019? Raise your hand, wave it around. Oh, praise God, you made it. Way to go. Anybody here before 2019, back in South Brandon days? Praise God. Man, that's awesome. Somebody can clap about that. That's good news. That's good. So 2019, we had ample space and we had exactly one thing. God gave us a mission statement of what it meant to be Overflow Church. And it was this, hopefully you've heard it before, that we live to receive and release God's love to everyone, everywhere. God spoke several things about that. Number one, that our mission was going to be that we live, not we exist, like a lot of other mission statements say, because we didn't just, we weren't just called to simply be alive, we were called to thrive. Jesus said, I came that you would have life to its absolute fullest life to the overflow. We said we want to be a church that lives. And I want to tell you, five years in, that burns hotter now than ever before. Amen. Second, we said that the gospel is going to be defined this way, that we will be the people who will receive and release God's love. Because we believe that love isn't love until it's being given away. That God is not calling experts into his kingdom. He's not calling professors. He's calling messy kids who are crazy enough to follow him. And that we believe that the cross means that we're not invited to the perfection of performance, but we're invited to the adoration of adoption. Amen. That there's a profound passion in being his forever. And that everything we receive from him, that there's no gap and there's no lack in the Holy Spirit, that whatever you've received, you can release. So we're going to live and we're going to be kids, and we're going to be humble, but he's pouring out all the time, and we're not victims. We are more than victorious in the name of Christ, and we are loved, and we are adored, and we're going to pour it out. And the last part that we had in our mission was this, that our mission field was nothing short of everyone, everywhere. That we would stand as a church that would recognize that the Father loves both prodigal sons. The near and the far, the young and the old, men, women, and children, the addict and the refugee, the brokenhearted and the hard-headed, the high class, the low class, and the no class. You will never look into the eyes of a person that God doesn't presently adore and that he didn't die to bring home. We're going to live. We're going to receive and release his love and do so imperfectly, but he adores us. And we're not going to stop short of everyone, everywhere. That's what we had, a burning heart and an empty backpack that we asked God to begin to fill through us. i got to tell you something five years in. There's still lots of room in this backpack. There's still lots of room for Christ in you, the hope of glory. And at the end of our service today, that's where we're going to go. But after God started, we walked that way. We held on to each other. And then sure enough, God gave us the next item in our bag. This is cool. I hope I don't break this. This is Brandon. Sorry, Brandon. God gave us a compass. And oh, man, the joy of a compass. I'm going to break it. I feel it. There we go. 
God gave us the joy of a compass. And I love this. If you think about going on an adventure, a compass is the only thing that keeps you from drifting off course. We've all heard the studies, right, of what happens if you set out on a journey by your own knowledge, leaning on your own understanding, and you end up just one degree off course, you're in a dangerously different destination if you've been called on a long journey. And so God gave us a compass, and that compass was shown in four core values. We had a mission. We said, we're going to make space. We're going to hold on to each other. And he said, okay, then there's four ways that I want you to walk together. These will guide everything you do. This will define the overflow way. Your mission says where you walk, but your values say how you walk. He said, there's four values. And we etched them into middle sign, metal signs that you see around here, but God didn't stop there over the last four years. We've spoken them over and over and over, over each other. He's etched them into our hearts. Our four values are this. The first is intimacy, that friendship with God is our greatest priority and our greatest privilege. I want to tell you still at Overflow Church, this is still first and unapologetically our highest value. We have been called to know our Creator intimately as Father and Savior and husband and friend and to devote our entire lives to dancing in the delight of being His. Second value God gave us was the value of expectancy. That we will be a people who will trust God's faithfulness over our feelings. Our story tells us that everything that can be shaken will be shaken. Anybody feel that in life today? Jesus says in the world, you will have trouble. Anybody feel that today? But by the way, there's a comma in that sentence. In the world, you will have trouble. A lot of Christians walk around like there's a period at the end of that sentence. In the world, you will have trouble. And then we walk around like Eeyore. Thanks for noticing. But there's a Tigger revelation that comes because it's not a period, it's a comma. In the world you will have trouble, comma, but take heart. I have overcome the world. My name is higher. And so we said that we will be a people who will recognize that our feelings are a tremendous gift. Listen, the ability to feel joy and laughter and love and grief and pain. They're a gift. They remind us that we're alive. But I need you to know this. If you haven't figured it out yet, your feelings are a great gift and a terrible God. They're a great gift. But your feelings are a terrible God. They are unreliable. They shake. They waver. And they lie. And in the midst of an age of offense, and tolerance, and opinions, and Disney theology that says, just believe in yourself. We made a decision from the start and said, this is how we're going to walk Overflow Church. We're going to want friendship with God more than anything, but how we walk is this. We will not be a people who lean on our own understanding. By the way, when you let your feelings dictate where you're going, you're leaning on your own understanding. You're saying your feelings know better than your father. We said we're going to be the people that are going to keep trusting and keep believing that God's not just good, he's goodness itself. He can be no other. That we're going to be people that are going to believe that, yes, the world is broken, but the world is also beautiful. And every moment, somebody say every moment. Every moment is a refiner's fire where God is working in all things to imprint his image upon our hearts if we'd simply have eyes to see it, which means this. You ready? We can choose joy now. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 
Tom got it. Listen, every moment you find yourself, no matter what you say is going on, you say the heat's turning up, it's uncomfortable, it's coming that way, I want to tell you at every moment, you will only be in a refiner's fire where God is burning away what doesn't belong to you anymore. He's burning away every voice of the accuser. He's, he's taking you in a journey where your soul can catch up with the reality that's already taken place in your spirit. There is no place that you can go from the presence of God. There is no place you can move from the adoration of God. That's why Paul could show up and say, rejoice always. And I'll say it again, rejoice. If every moment is a refiner's fire and God's the fourth man in the fire so that you wouldn't be burned, it means that you can choose joy now. We said we'd be a people of expectancy. Third value, we said that we'd be a people of restoration. How do we walk? We are going to be people who recognize worth in everyone and partner with God as he transforms them. That as a body, we would refuse both scarcity and scapegoating. That we call ourselves overflow because, wildly enough, we believe that there's more than enough of the Father's mercy and grace and forgiveness and freedom and transformation for all of his kids to come home. And that we've arrived nowhere except with Mary at the feet of Jesus to see there's plenty of room there. We're a church that will say, always and forever, there is no us and them, there's just us. And all of him came for all of us. You say, where you get that from? As in Adam all die and Christ all shall be made alive. He came with a burning heart for every last son and daughter to become home. And he said, you have no enemy of flesh and blood. Stop demonizing and vilifying other people on the right or on the left that I died to save. So we said we'd be a people that would spend ourselves for the last and the lost, and the least, and the leper, and the lonely, the marginalized, and those people have given up on, and those people despise and have forgotten, that we would join Jesus in incarnational loves, that, that would step onto messy fields with the hurting as he restores them. The last part of this compass that we said is going to keep us from drifting. We're going to be people, people of friendship with God. We're not going to trust our feelings. We're going to reorient all the time back to what our God, who is goodness, says. We're going to be people of restoration that live on mission, not one day, but now because the harvest is plentiful. But last, we're going to be a people of community. That with God, we will grow together and we will go together. The very start of Overflow Church, we said that God has not called us to be independent, but interdependent. In fact, one of the first things he said, go back to the first chapters, it's not good for man to be alone. Did you know that's not just a word about marriage? Look at epidemics of loneliness and depression and the link between them. Why? Because the Creator said at the beginning, it's not good for man to be alone. It's not good for you to be a consumer with an a la carte menu that decides who you let in and who you let out. You've been made as a part of the family, and the eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. So at the start, we said this. We know that community is tough. Has anybody experienced that? Is family tough, y'all? But we said that we would choose, like the disciples before Jesus, to say, Lord, where else would we go? You built a body, and you built a bride. You did not build a platform where I could go check out YouTube videos on my own time. You built a body, and you built a bride. So at the start, we said we will be a family, and we will hold on to each other, especially when it's hard. 
we will forgive and we will mature and we will honor and we will refuse to quit. 2019, we started, and man, that all sounds beautiful. And then March of 2020, a pandemic hits the entire globe. And this is what I watched. Our church, starting with our pastors, our deacons, and our elders, held true to what God said the DNA was to be in this space. We stayed together with friendship and God. We held on to expectancy. We believed in restoration, not acting as victims in this, but asking, Lord, where can you send us that we could be hope for those who are depressed and hurting? And we held on to each other as a family. We navigated a pandemic. Our church staff and our ministry leaders and our missional community leaders did what God told us would happen from the start. They all shifted seats and they made room as the Holy Spirit spoke. We embraced the messiness of the fivefold, which as you heard my buddy say there in the video, means that we're all going to be a little bit uncomfortable all the time. Because what does it mean? It means that we're going to make room in this place for the things about Jesus that you love and give you all the tingly feel-goods like, woo, Jesus, we're going to make room for that. But we're also going to make room for the things that you want to run from that Jesus desires for your fullness. If we're going to be a church full of his fullness, it means we're all going to be uncomfortable all the time. But praise God, he gave us a comforter. That's why he came. So he said we're going to hold on to one another. And so sure enough, we found that God gave us at this point, after many months of praying, he gave us a strategy of what it would look like for us to walk together. He said, you got a mission, you got values, but now what are you aiming at? And this strategy was a kind of me, we, be. It goes from the personal level of what does it look like for you to, to have personal intimacy with the Lord, to discover your voice, to know your gifts, to know your passion, but to not stop there, to walk into the community of we, that we would make a big deal about our worship gatherings together and being the corporate body in this space that we would not give up on meeting together in summer in the habit of doing. And that we'd come together in true missional community, not just in a big room where you can look and nod and praise the Lord, hallelujah, but let real identifiable people who will be in your life who will check on you in the real crisis situations, in the real pain, and when it gets hard, but that we wouldn't just stop there. A lot of churches stop there. But that we'd be people that would be. We would find our gifts, we would deploy our gifts, and we would give our lives to discipling other people. And so sure enough, God started to move. In 2023, we had a big year at Overflow Church. We saw a year of stability and health. And this is what we saw. We saw in 2023, because of what we said before the Lord, we saw 148 declarations of faith of people giving their life to follow Jesus Christ. Let me just back up for just a sec. Um, I didn't say that the Bucks got a second chance at the wild card to go back into the playoffs. I said that last year, because of the faithfulness in this place, I'm just, I'm just saying, all of heaven celebrates when one sinner repents. All of heaven throws a party. By the way, Hebrew parties, they lasted for seven days. Nothing stopped. So all of heaven throws that every time one sinner repents. And what I'm telling you is that globally, by the way, not just here, not just, oh, somebody prayed. We, we don't have somebody here who got saved 16 times on the list. That's, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about actual people that we watch from all around the globe. Our missions partners, Nigeria, Haiti, Dominican Republic, here in our city, in Tampa, in the church, in your workplace, in your neighborhood, 148 souls. Why do I have to tell you that? Because listen, here's what's going to happen next Sunday. You're going to get up and say, I don't feel like going to church today. 
Why do we do that? And you've got a culture that says, you can just catch it online later. Why do we make such a big deal about us being together as a family? Because when we do, that happens. This past year, because of faithfulness, we saw this. Can we get the next slide up? 63 baptisms became. We had an unbelievable number of tangible physical healings that we saw. In fact, Pastor Erin, it, it was a moment where she came with vulnerability. She said, I'm sorry, I got distracted. She stopped recording in March at 33 physical healings. And she said, I won't do that again this year. And so I want to tell you, by March of last year, we'd had 33 tangible physical healings that we have seen in this place. So we started with a backpack and a compass, and we set out, and it's been an amazing five years. And what I want to do is I want to take just a second for us to look back at the last five years, because there's two more items in this backpack about where we're going, which is where I want to close. Yeah. Woohoo! So God started us out. He gave us a backpack. He gave us a compass. And I lead us now to this moment where I feel like what God has been handing us is a map. You've heard about 2024 and where God is wanting to move, that he has a vision to expand his kingdom in our city. You've heard all about one million souls that we we're asking God to come in. Many of you cheered that you were part of Awaken the Dawn this weekend, which was amazing. We've got a prayer summit that starts tomorrow where a number of pastors and leaders in our city are going for two days just to be on their face before the Lord to do the great commandment, to love God with all of our hearts, to love our neighbors, ourselves, and to hear God's heart for our city. We've got together that is growing, and what we're finding is this. The body is embracing our need for each other. So I need you to know this at the start of 2024, because you're going to meet people that are going to tell you it's just bad news everywhere, and it's just bad news for the church. And I want to tell you, please don't believe it, because for those of us who have our ears to the ground, we hear the rumblings of revival. Stay the course and find your place. For Overflow Church, that map looks like this. God said that it's time for us to expand, too. That it's time for us to reach our city, which means this year we're going to need to intentionally and consistently engage. We're in the process right now of expanding opportunities on Sunday morning for you to be the face and the heart and the eyes of Jesus. In fact, February 11th is our family meeting next month. I want to encourage everybody in this room to come join us. It's right after our service, and we're going to share the exact vision of how we're rolling it out, but it's starting immediately. God's given a map of where we need to go. And so here's where we got it. We're going to make space. God gives us a compass. He tells us where to walk. He gives us a map of a great adventure. But there's one more thing that we've got in our bag that we're going to need if we're going to make it. And the last thing that we need in our bag is we're going to need some fuel. If you're going to go on any journey of any length of time and not just a leisurely walk, you're going to need sustenance. And I want to tell you there's a reason that I grabbed two of these. Because if we're a church that's called Overflow, it means that there's going to be enough for you and for the next person that you're expectantly waiting to meet on the journey with you, to go alongside you. What does this fuel look like? I believe the fuel looks like rhythms that are going to be needed for our personal and communal and corporate health and wholeness. If it's really true, if everything I've said to this point is true, that friendship with God is attainable, that community and family is our inheritance, and there's a great adventure of many souls that need to know him, that it means we're going to need rhythms for our personal life with Jesus. We're going to need rhythms to keep community a priority, and we're going to need rhythms to discover our gifts in the kingdom of God so we serve and walk in them faithfully together. 
Now tomorrow, I'm releasing a blog that is exactly on this. How do you actually set your journey for your adventure? I'll give you just a, a real quick preview of this. The spiritual fuel you need for adventuring with Jesus. I see four things. One, in 2024, you've got to find a way how to make a priority for worship. What do I mean? Personal worship. You and Jesus. Time with whatever that looks like. He'll never reduplicate it again the way he wants to do it with you, but he wants friendship with you, and that means real time that you actually set aside for community worship, for you to worship God alongside an identifiable family, and for corporate worship. Man, wasn't it wild today, dancing around this place? I just want to say, students, 18 and under, there ain't no reason why this doesn't need to be happening every single Sunday. So if you believe in authority, I'm the lead pastor, so I'm going to say, you, you be free and do that more and more and more because it's going to move us. All right? All right, Bella? Yes? Okay. Over 18? <laughs> I'm also going to say I'm the lead pastor, so if, if we're supposed to set an example and they're dancing and you're not, I'll leave it there. Number two. We do have other things to get to. Uh, I'm not supposed to be preaching this part. All right, number two, keep conviction for community. We're going to need a rhythm for community. And I'm going to say this year, if that's where you're at, this needs to be the year there's no more delays and no more excuses. There's no more tomorrow. I'll do it. Number three, stand with readiness to serve the body. I'm going to tell you right now, get ready. Somebody say, get ready. Get ready. Now's the time. No delay. We need to be ready in just a minute. This is where I'm going to close us. Is where has God called you to get on the track and fully run? And the fourth one is this, that you would invite the people in your life to come alongside you. And you're inviting them to Jesus, and you're inviting them to the family. Everything we're going to do in the months ahead is pointed to this end. But right now, Overflow Church is five years old today, and I believe we've got to end with only three responses. The end has to be this. We've got to respond in celebration, in commission, and in consecration. Oh, I hear the Kona ice truck backing up. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. We respond in celebration, in commission, in consecration. For the year ahead, we're going to set aside to God. Are you ready for the next chapter? I'm going to ask you to stand with me. This is what I'm going to ask at this moment. Every person, if you stand with me, close your eyes, hand on your heart right now. We're just going to let the Lord speak to us for a moment. It has been an amazing five years that we've walked together as a church. So let me just ask this. Are you grateful for what God has done in your life through the family called Overflow Church? I want to encourage you right now with your hand on your heart, and I'm going to invite the worship team up. We're going to close in a worship declaration together. But I want to encourage even now, right now, this moment, hand on your heart, would you begin to just speak out to the Father something tangible that has changed your life or blessed your family here in this place? Right now, just quietly before the Father, would you start to say, Father, this has changed me. Thank you. Father, you've been good in this place. Right now, I only hear my voice, so I'd like to hear somebody else's voice. Right now, tangibly, that you tell the Father, this is what you've done in this place. This is where you've moved. This is where it's mattered. I celebrate where we've stood to this place. If all of heaven is celebrating for one sinner that comes home, I'm going to tell you the problem is we don't celebrate nearly enough. Would you take a minute right now and just say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. In this place, even as the worship team begins to lead us, I want to call us into a time of commission. For every person who desires for Overflow Church to be home, I'm going to invite you right now in this moment to respond like our brothers and our sisters did 43 years ago. For you to ask the question right now, 
What do you have to bring the body of Overflow Church that we need to put in our backpack? Now, right now, every person, if you could look at the screen, we've got a prompt. And you're going to see these cards that are right here all across the platform. These cards ask two questions. What do I bring to the family of Overflow? And you see, just to give you a prompt, we gave you some places to start, and you're like, I don't know what I bring. And you fill those out, and you say, here's what else I bring. I want you to take a minute and ask, what is that I bring? And the second question is this, what do I believe that God this year wants to expand my voice in, in this place?